0: Uh, We just love what you guys are doing. There's just, there's something about consistency, is there not? There's something about longevity where it's not just hype like we've been saying. It's not just good strategy. But there is a true presence and measure of God in this room and what you're doing. And it's not just because you have a dope conference even though you do. And it's not because you have a great internship just because you do have a great internship. But really there's a genuine hunger when you come to G4T. Anybody else sense that? And it's always here every time uh, I come, and it just keeps increasing and increasing. And so it feels like I just get to bring like a, a, a bunch of gas and just throw it on a fire that's already burning here, which is the best kind of preaching. So, um, but I, I, I want you to talk back to me tonight. Can you do that? Yes? I'll, I'm just going to jump in tonight. Uh, you, if, you, if people are like, well, who is this guy? I don't, even, I don't even know if you Google me, you'll find out, but that's probably a good thing. Uh, but uh, I'll I, I tell you what. Uh, I really feel like that this generation, uh, uh, there, there needs to be a Bible revival in this generation. What I mean by that is not just revival in the presence and encounter and chasing miracles and stuff. I'm talking about you fall in love with your Bible. What I have, follow, what I have found is that this generation, they love worship. So they worship, worship. They don't worship, they just worship, worship. Or they love prayer. They love to spend hours in prayer. And I just want to be in prayer like Lou. You know what I mean? Like you just want to go after God in prayer. But when you break open the Bible, it's like, people just go sleep. And I'm like, stay woke, people. All right. We need a Bible revival. And I I can tell you that you're living, you cannot afford to not know the word in this day and age, because there are things that sound right and sound good, but are completely wicked and have no basis of Christianity in them and will only lead you to a life of destruction and pain. And so we have to have a Bible revival. And I listen, I don't, I don't, I don't flirt with my Bible. I don't date my Bible. I don't have one-night stands with my Bible. I don't have seasons with my Bible. I am married to my Bible. Are you with me? I believe everything in my Bible, from table of contents to maps. I love it all. I love the publisher of my Bible. I even like the color of my Bible. All right, are you following me? I need to have a Bible revival. And one of the things that does that is your response to the Word. Do you realize that it's the environment that unlocks the seed? It is the, it, 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 it required, the Bible deserves a response. The word of God deserves a response out of your mouth. So I need you to talk back to me tonight. Can you do that? Yes. No, no, come on, G4T, can you do that? Yes. All right, I want you to turn on your Bible and go to Daniel chapter three. Daniel, the third chapter, yes, turn it on. I know what generation I'm talking to. <laughs> if you open it, that's great. If you turn it on, that's fine. I just care that you have your Bible, all right? Keep your Bible charged in Jesus' name. Uh, Daniel chapter 3, and I'm going to give you a lot of history right here so you can understand the context of what we're reading. In Daniel chapter 3, this is taking place in the Babylonian Empire. Now, Babylon is the ruling empire of the known world. So their education system, their economy, their agriculture, their military, they are the superpower of the day. And Daniel, along with all the other children of Israel, have been captured and the best and the strongest of Israel have been carried off into Babylon. Babylon. And several times, Daniel, and especially his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are tempted to defile themselves to paganism and witchcraft. But they stand their ground, and they have some legitimacy. In fact, they they are so strong, they're not just just strong physically, but they are wise. In fact, it says in Daniel 1.20 that in all matters of wisdom and justice, Daniel and his friends were found to be ten times greater. That's 10 times greater than everybody who's had the best education, everybody who was born in the right families, everyone who has the best career. And all these slaves, these conquered people have is a covenant with God and they're 10 times greater. That's like someone from Harvard Law going to argue a case against you and all you did was pray about it and you completely undo every argument and every case presented against you. They have all the training, but you got a prayer life. Are you seeing this? So, how many know when the world can't explain why the favor of God is on your life and they can't explain your success, they get a little salty? How many know what I'm talking about? Because they, can't, they, they don't understand how you are so wise beyond your years. They don't understand why you were so authoritative when you speak. And this is where people start to get a little jealous. And so, Daniel, you know, he's tempted uh, many times, threatened with uh, uh, being thrown in the lion's den. We know the rest of that story. But then his friends have to stand the same ground and stiffen their own spines. And it says that Nebuchadnezzar, who's like an egomaniac, he's like Kanye, Kim Kardashian, and Conor McGregor all in one. Okay, that's what they are, all right? And and he just, he wants everybody to worship and lick the ground he walks on. So he builds this huge monument and he creates this one song, this one sound, that when everybody... When the whole country, when it's played, when this sound comes on, everybody's supposed to boom, bow down, and they start to worship this idol. Well, this sounds, they they build the monument, the sound comes on, and then pow, everybody falls, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you imagine being, I don't know, maybe at Barista Coffee Shop, because that's what I'm thinking of right now. Come on, that's a good place to say amen, (laughs) I'll tell you right right now. I don't even drink coffee, but that was blessing my life yesterday, Um, (laughs) I, can you imagine being somewhere in the mall or in a restaurant and a sound comes on and everybody, pow, hits the ground and you're over there like, oh no baby, what you doing? <laughs> no, you, you know what I'm telling you? You, just, you have no idea why they're doing this. And then the king hears that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not bowing down. And so he commands them to be brought to him. And this is where we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 3 in verse 13. It says, this is King Nebuchadnezzar talking, it says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue from my power. Now, you gotta read this next part like you from the hood. You gotta have some ghetto, like ghettoology." up in your innards, all right? You gotta read this with some attitude. You can't read this all passive-like, all right? So follow along with me. Get that hood voice and just a good one, all right? Look at this. It says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves against you. Can you imagine? You know, I can imagine someone from the hood, one of them little hood rats. We do not need to defend ourselves again. And then ladies, when you pull out this finger right here, I don't know what it is about this finger, but it gives your neck permission to be 10 feet longer than it just was. And you all of a sudden. and we do not need this. Way. And, I, and then you start doing this, this David and Goliath action. I don't know what the heck this is, but hey, if it works for you, fine. You get in hood. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able. We could just stop right there. We could just stop right there, put a period, and it'd be a true statement. The God whom we serve is able, fill in the blank. This is an incredible faith statement, but it continues. They are addressing this king. The God whom we serve is able to save us. But even if he does it, right? Watch this. But even if he doesn't, <laughs> this is so funny, we want to make it clear to you your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. It looked like he tongue-kissed a lemon. He Or a Bible. Just kidding. All right. If we are thrown... Dude, I I lost it when you went like that. I was like, he is making out with his Bible on stage. I'm not sure how to think about that. Anyways, all right. But it was still powerful. It was still moving in my spirit. All right, verse 17, 19, 20. It says in verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his military to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So watch this. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace. What did they do? Tied them up. And what did they do? Throw them in. Tied them up. Remember that. Tied them up and threw them in. And it says that they tied them up and threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw these three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, come on, how many you know Jesus knows how to make an entrance? Jesus is flawless in this. He's like perfect. He's so smooth. I'm telling you, look at this. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth Looks like the son of God. I'm telling you, it's getting good. It's getting gooder and gooder and gooder. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Our God, whom we serve, is able. Period. Pray with me tonight. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, that we are seeing a generation that is not passive but powerful. They are not fearful but they are fearless that you would give us the risk takers again that are 13, 14, 24, everyone in between, God, I pray that you would raise up a mighty voice through young men and young women, God, that there is no time for part-time devotion and part-time consecration and part-time holiness and part-time power, God, but you would give us overtime faith And overtime peace and overtime truth, God, that we would begin to sabotage the plans of the enemy, not just in this region, but in nations around the world. Let it be said of the ones in this room that they are shaking cities and chasing out corruption and eradicating cancer and getting rid of addictions and having longevity in their marriages and raising up godly families that are being dispersed all throughout the planet, God. Let their siblings be dispatched to some of the most dangerous places on the planet, knowing that dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom, God. That you would give us a generation that is completely ruined, that they cannot be normal, that they cannot satisfy themselves of what's happened in the past, but they are so hungry about what you're prophetically showing them in the future, God. Give us a resilient generation, a relentless generation, God. A generation that's not just for truth, God. But for truth and power. That's not just for truth and power, but truth, power, and love, God. That they would be tenacious and aggressive in the things of God and everywhere they go. That they would possess everything that you put their feet under. Lord, I thank you for every man and every woman in Jesus' name. Amen. I really sense this message is more prophetic in nature, but I won't call this, I'm calling this message fearless. Fearless. I was a missionary in Sri Lanka. And uh, my wife and I, before we had kids, we lived over there. And if if you've ever done missions, how many of you have ever been on a missions trip or anything like that, you just know that you are busy 100% of the time. There's really no time to waste. And so when we lived there, it was the same way. And uh, this was in the middle of a 25-year civil war. And so we were working behind, literally behind enemy lines in terrorist areas. We were working within uh, city limits. We were all over the place. And I remember one day we decided, man, we need to take a day off and just rest. That's a, good, that's a good spiritual discipline, rest. And so my wife decides, you know what? What we're gonna do is we're gonna go to an elephant orphanage. Now, how many, again, how many of have ever been out of the country? Come on, how many have been out of the country? You know that when you go out of the country, there are two types of rates. There is the local rate, which is like 50 cents, and there is the foreigner rate, which is like $1,000. How many know what I'm talking about? It's just unfair. And so we get to this elephant orphanage. And this one was very, spe- this orphanage had a special elephant because this elephant was a three-legged elephant. This sounds like a bad joke, but it's really not. This, this elephant actually stood, stepped on a landmine in the middle of the Civil War and it blew off its leg. And rescuers got to it in time to save its life, but not its legs. So this, somehow this elephant's managed to live with three legs. So it just, I mean, it would walk around. And so people have done documentaries, uh, articles, all major magazines and news media uh, have come out. And so we were going to go see this elephant. So I remember we show up and of course they charge us $2,000 just to see this dumb elephant. But that's okay. It's a day off. My wife wants to see some elephants. I'm going to do whatever I want for my baby. All right, we're going to go. You do you, boo-boo. All right, we're going to do this. So we go in there and this was, you know, I'm thinking if I paid $5,000 to see this dumb elephant, I, I, I mean, I want to pet the elephant. I want to name the elephant. If I want to paint its nails because I, I paid $10,000 to see this dumb elephant, I'm going to do whatever I get to name it. You understand what I'm telling you? And this was in the day of like, uh, this was before cameras were on our phones. So we had disposable cameras. Anybody remember this, right? Am I too old now? Uh, you remember, if, if you remember, if, we had these things called cameras. And they, you couldn't, you had to take it to a place to get it developed. And and I don't know if you remember this, but if you would take a picture, you'd snap a picture, and to reload the next shot, you'd have to like, z- 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 Y'all remember that, right? What they didn't tell you is the back of the z- z- was made out of razor blades, and you'd cut your thumb open every time you'd go to another picture. And heaven forbid that you needed flash because you had this small button the size of a Smurf that you had to press down like this and break this knuckle to just get the little beep to come on and then you can take a flat and you did not even know this is the worst part you didn't even know if it was a good picture you ever got the stuff developed and you're like what did I see was I was I high I mean what was I seeing you're looking at this but you're like what is going on and so I, I'm, I'm telling you I, I look like a journalist like legit journal I got like 20 cameras because I paid $20,000 so I'm gonna see this elephant so I get over there and I'm like getting to the front. I'm like, you ever get to the front? You like sneak, sneak to the front. You just wait and you take a pocket here and you move to the front. Cause I pay $50,000. I wanna see this stupid elephant, right? So I'm over there and I'm getting some room and all of a sudden here come these elephants, this big herd of elephants, right? And it, your boy's going at it. Pop, zzz, z- pop, zzz, z- pop, zzz, z- pop, bee, pop, zzz, z- pop. I paid $100,000 to see this stupid elephant. I'm gonna get every picture I can of this elephant. And then all of a sudden, people start leaving in the middle of these elephants coming because there's a guy way over here saying hey everybody come over here you want to see a magic trick and I'm thinking not me I paid $150,000 to see this elephant I'm gonna get my money so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden the, the the elephant everyone comes to see is right here and it starts walking like this it starts walking the three-legged elephant like this I promise I'm not twerking this is really how it was doing, right so it's just doing this right and all, and then people are leaving. I'm like, listen, we paid 200 Gs just to see this elephant. Y'all need to come over here. And I'm popping pictures like crazy. But then this guy, he's like, hey, anybody want to see a magic trick? Well, you can tell I'm a kid at heart. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I want to see a magic trick. So, so I come over there, and this guy's got like a big circle of people. And he's like, all right, everybody, give me some room. He goes to this little kid. He goes, hey, pick a finger, any finger, just pick a finger. And this kid's like, mm, this one. <laughs> and this guy goes, now watch this. <laughs> and boom, blisters pop out all over this guy's finger. I'm thinking, mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. then he says, now watch this. <laughs> and boom, blisters pop out all over his hand on command. Pow, just like this. I'm thinking, uh-uh. Nope. No, you put some Windex on that. and clear that up real quick. We, I, I, mine's never done that. And then he takes a doll out and he gives it to this woman. He says, do whatever you want to this doll and my body will respond and do the same thing. So she takes this doll and she twists the arm and I watched this man's arm twist three or four times over without breaking. She then took the doll and bent it backwards like this and I watched the back of his head touch the back of his heels with no injury. And, I, and the whole time I'm thinking, this, this ain't right. Like <laughs> mama didn't raise no fool, this ain't right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So, so I remember he takes this needle, one of those long sewing needles, 18-inch needle like this, and he takes it and he starts to open his mouth, he's like, now watch this. And he goes, Oh, and he starts swallowing this needle, and he's not angling, he's just swallowing straight, and then he lifts his shirt up and the needle starts coming out of his stomach. I'm thinking, <laughs> you, you ever seen something and you start messing it like it's in your mouth? <laughs> I'm telling, I wanted to go over to the needle and go, just see if it, really, if, it, you know, if, it, if it was really real. You know what I'm saying? And the whole time, I'm sensing this dark, nasty, heavy presence. Because I'm going to tell you right now, that's demonic. Yeah, Those are demons. And so I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and then I hear this intimidating voice. Can you do that? Can your God let you do that? Are you that strong? Is your God that powerful? Can you do that? You know, I'm a young missionary. I, I don't know. So I, like, check in with heaven. I'm like, so what's up? Like, like is that legal? Can we do that? Is like a foul or what? Can, we, can I do that? But then I said, I said, because that's powerful. And his, God's response to me I, was unexpected. I said, Lord, because that's powerful. And God went like this. I said, Lord, that's powerful. And he went, <coughs> you, ever, you ever heard God laugh at you? No, I'm serious. Like, you've done something dumb, and he's just like, <coughs> That's how I feel like my life is. No, I'm serious. Like <laughs> My whole life. I'm serious. I'm sure, I'm sure there's many times in heaven and he's like, Chris, say it again. That's powerful. <laughs> Michael, Gabriel, come here. Come here. Come here. Look at this. Chris, say, say it one more time. One more time. That's powerful. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's how I feel like my life is. No lie. So I said, so Lord, that's powerful. And he says, son, that's not powerful. I said, did you see his arm? Did you see the blisters? He said, son, that's not powerful. I said, apparently you didn't see the needle thing. And he said, son, That's not powerful. And this is what he said. He said, all that man can do is impress a crowd, but he cannot change the crowd. I came, died, and resurrected, and I can transform people's lives. And you need to stop letting yourself get intimidated. Man, I drew a line in the sand that day. And I made sure that the devil knew. I made sure that everyone on our staff knows. I made sure my wife and I were on the same page that I would never let the enemy intimidate intimidate me like that or talk to me like that again. Not even in my thoughts, in my emotions, in my prayer time. He, and listen, don't think just because you're at church somehow this is some bubble wrap safe proof uh, room where your spiritual life is going to grow through the roof. He does most of his lying right here. He does most of his sabotage right now. I, I, I can tell you it's time for fearless people to rise. Because what this world is used to seeing is fear in this and fear in that and fear in that. And they throw fear on this and they throw fear on families and they throw fear in your corruption and they throw fear in your politics. And they throw fear in pop culture and they throw fear at your campuses where kids can't and don't even feel safe going to campus anymore because of mass school shootings. It's all based on fear. What we need is a fearless generation who says, I'm not going to let you talk about my generation like that. I'm not going to let you attack my campus like that. No, you can't have my family. You can't have my region. You can't have my neighborhood. You don't get my coworkers. You don't get my future. You don't get my house. You don't get to have that anymore. You mess with the wrong one. Where are my fearless people at? Where are the ones who are tired of seeing all this garbage and this junk come across your family's life and your friend's life or the temptations that come across and you can't seem to break that cycle? We need fearless ones again. And I want to give you three things that the fearless say with their life. The first one is, I won't bow. I refuse to bow. I won't bow. I'm done bowing. I refuse to bow. I don't care care if I lose status or popularity. I'm done bowing. See, I can tell you when it counts, is not here on Sunday nights, it counts on Monday mornings. Because we'll know what kind of encounter you had based on how your life is going around Thursday. Not Sunday nights. It's, this is Listen, this is easy in here, let's be honest. Right? You've got the dopest worship team over here, they're calling down fire from heaven, right? You've got the lights and the cameras and the smoke and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you something, if you're not careful, you'll need all of that to encounter him. And you can't do it at your home and you can't make a prayer furnace and put it in your bedroom and you can't get anything out of your work because you're going to need someone to come and preach it to you. Listen, stop living off of podcasts and YouTube videos and start getting before God and start noticing that I'm done bowing. I can hear a lot better. I remember when I first got saved, I got saved at a summer camp. I got it was such a such a powerful night. I still look back on that night. Sometimes I'll end up crying. I, I, I remember all in one night, you've, most of you have heard this, I got saved, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I got called to ministry all in one night. But I knew that while the rest of the w- week at camp went on, I knew I was going to get stronger, but I knew I had to come home. I knew that things, the only thing that had changed was me, but not my circumstances, not my friends, not my influence, nothing had changed back home, the only thing that changed, and really the only thing that ever needed to be changed was me. So I get back and, I get off the bus, and, and now I know this, this is where it's, like, if, if something happened or not, if it was real or if it wasn't, if it was hype and emotion or if it was authentic and it was a genuine move of God on my life. I remember I get off the bus, I get home, and I walk into my room, and immediately I feel the presence of God fill my room. And I notice that he brings my attention to my, this, like, bookshelf. I didn't have no books on there, but <laughs> go figure. But I noticed I had all this music. And he said, "Son, I want you to get rid of all this music. Now, I'm not listening to Christian music at this time. All right? This is, I think the, the the only Christian CD I had was DC Talk. I'm looking at Slava because he might be the only one that remember. Please, okay, I'm, that's old. So, so I like this, like old school Christian. Don't Google. Okay, whatever. So." I I wasn't listening because this I, what I was listening was like Dr. Dre's The Chronic and like Metallica and Limp Bizkit. You ever got a Limp with the biscuit? Um, th- just stuff like. Th- don't look at me like that. Some of you, some of you are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> don't go on Spotify after this and start listening. All right. So I remember I'm sitting there and he's like, throw away all the music. I'm like, God, all of it? Like, what do you mean by all? Because your definition of all and my definition of all could be two different things. What do you mean by all? I figured out all means all. So he said, no, throw away all of it. I'm like, Lord, I paid for some of this. Like, what do you mean by all? Y'all know what I'm talking about. So, so I, he said all, but I was so yielded and surrendered. I remember God had done such a work in my life that I ran into the kitchen, I grabbed a trash bag, which is really, when you're, when you're from the ghetto, you don't have trash bags, you have Walmart bags. No, oh, come on, how many you know the old grocery bags that you use is trash bags. That's why you grab two or three extra. Come on, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. So I remember I go, I go into, uh, I go and get this Walmart bag and I start breaking all these CDs, pop, 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 like that. And I'm, and I'm kind of like shedding a little tear because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is not me. So I, I finished breaking all these CDs, talking about not bowing. And I remember the Lord highlights my closet and he says, you know, what's in there. Uh, and have you ever play try to play dumb with God? Hey, you know what I'm talking about? What, what are you talking about? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? What, what you mean? No, be specific. God Almighty, be specific. <laughs> and he said, and you know he's highlighted, and I knew what he was talking about. I, I had a drug addiction, and so any real pothead doesn't just have their go-to weed, they have their backup weed. And so I had my backup weed in my shoebox. Some of you are like, Everybody's gotta pass, all right? Don't judge me. Everybody's gotta pass. So I had this shoebox and I had like a fat 20-sack of weed in this in this shoebox and all my papers and pipes and paraphernalia. And God says, Listen you need to get rid of that too. And I'm I'm so dumb. He says, you need to get rid of that too. And I'm like, Lord, you created this. (laughs) And, And this is what he told me. He said, son, I may have created the plant, but I didn't create all the chemicals they put on that plant to get you high. And furthermore, if every time that you get low or every time you face challenges in your life, you run to this and not to me. And eventually that's going to lead you down a road that's going to cause you a lot of heartache. What I need you to get conditioned to is to run to me every time, good or bad, rain or shine, where it's opposing or winning, it does not matter. I need you to be addicted to me and not this. So I remember, like this was a huge step in my life. So I, I remember, he's like, get rid of it. So I took, I, I took my box and I, I opened the door I looked down the hallway, make sure my parents weren't there. And I go into this bathroom and I start breaking all the, all the pipes and, and, and tearing up all the papers and dumping the weed. And I'm like crying over it. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like dumping it down the toilet. And I go back in and I'm like, this is not me. This is not normal Chris. So I walk back into my room and I remember God instantly makes me aware what's on the wall. I've got... Drug paraphernalia on my wall. I've got half-naked women on my wall. And God says, tear it all down. By this point, I'm crying. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm tearing down posters and stuff. And I remember I got to the last poster, and the last poster was the Budweiser twins. I'll never forget it. Because I told the Lord, I said, Lord, the twins too? And he said, he said Th- them too. I said, but you created them. And, and, and I remember he said, listen, this is what happens. He, he said, son, I may have created these people around you, But you have used it to pervert your thoughts and pervert your emotions, which is called lust. And now every time you see this, there's a reaction that goes off on the inside of you that just leads you to a practice and a habit that's not going to lead to a godly marriage and raising up godly kids. I need you to get this out of your life now because I'm a jealous God and I accept no substitutes. I want all of you, not pieces of you. Now this is interesting because... I I, I I can preach to your generation. I can make you laugh the entire night. But as soon as I start touching your music, your habits, and your relationships, all of a sudden it's like, well, that's a little outdated. No, is it? Because I didn't know God went out of style. I didn't know that his word uh, had to cultivate to pop culture and be absorbable and somehow be palatable for everybody. I just knew that his word was forever settled in heaven. And at the end of our days, we're not going to be judged on our church attendance and our spiritual activity. We are going to be judged by his word. Can I say this to you in love? Stop bowing. Stop making up excuses. Stop ignoring the things that are going on in your life. Start ignoring the red flags and the signals of the Holy Spirit, his little checks in your heart, his moments where he highlights something. Stop bowing. The truth is, this was all happening in private and God does some building and some developing and some construction in private. But where it really matters is in public too. I'll never forget, as soon as I'm done, like literally felt like rearranging my whole room, I get a phone call. And it's fr- one of my three friends was about to come over because they knew I just got back in town. They're like, yo, <laughs> you know what time it is. <laughs> That's what it I knew what that meant. They were coming over to my house to get high because my room was the back room. We blew the- anyways, whatever. It's weedology. <laughs> anyway, so, so I, I, I'm sitting there. My friends come over. And of course, they bust out the weed and they start rolling. I'm, I'm telling you, the fattest blunt I've ever seen to this day, like perfect blunt. And I, and I remember they like, some of you are laughing way too hard about that. So I remember I'm sitting there, and I know now, like, this is where it's proven. It, it, I can't mess up my witness now. God's done, I've gone too far. God's done too much in me. I cannot mess up this moment. Not, not just for me, but for my friends. They need to know. So sure enough, they light up this blunt, and they start, you know, puff, puff, give, puff, puff, give. I've seen you've been to a class. Anyways. And so, so they start going, and then it gets to me. And I remember. They, they're like, come on, take, take a hit. And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm straight, I'm good. And they're like, no, no, <laughs> this the good good. This, you need to get this. And I said, I said, no, man, listen, I got saved. Man, I, honestly, I don't even have a thirst for it. I don't have a desire for it. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't want it. I got saved, man. Jesus changed my life. I even told him, I said, man, he's with me. He said he'd never leave me. In fact, he's here right now. And they're over there like, what, no way. <laughs> you know, they're all high. I, I remember... That one no might have been a no to them, but it was a yes to God. Don't just take a no as a no. A no is also a yes to something else. And I'll never forget how my social life may have started to diminish. I didn't end up in too many circles like I was. I wasn't always invited to the weekend activities and festivities of the day. I wasn't invited to all the things that were happening, but here's what I didn't lose. I may have not been invited there and I may have lost all my invitations, but I didn't lose my peace. I didn't lose my joy. I didn't lose my purity. I didn't lose what God had done. I didn't let the devil rearrange my my standards and my morals so that I could adjust and be a, a chameleon and fake at church and real over here and then fake with my friends and then real at church. No, God made me exactly who he created me to be and all I had to do was choose to stop bowing stop bowing stop listen stop bowing to your insecurity stop bowing to the pressure built around you and the pressure is now doing the deciding stop bowing to all of the 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 the, the standards that are being fluctuating all the gray areas all of a sudden stop bowing stop bowing to all the impure relationships that are going on in your life stop bowing why would you do that Why would you want to go back to who you were before you got saved? Why would you want to go and recreate the same habits and things that are going on in your life? It's only, it led you to pain then. It's not going to lead you to holy pain now. Stop bowing. You know, it's interesting because here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're told, when you hear the sound, you bow. If you don't, you die. And then all of a sudden the sound comes on and they don't bow. Why wouldn't they bow? Because they didn't hear that sound. Because that wasn't on their le- their levels had been preset already, and they didn't bow unless it was the voice uh, of the sound of many waters. They didn't bow unless it was a rushing mighty wind. They didn't bow unless the presence of God filled their life. They didn't bow unless it was a true encounter with God. They were done bowing to things that didn't matter. You know, I, I, in this generation, we bow too quick and too easy. We don't test things like the word says and we don't come against the things of the devil like the word says. We bow way too fast and, and many times we give up too much ground. That's why we're constantly feeling like we're taking five steps forward and 20 steps backwards. Stop bowing. It's interesting to me How many people go after what sounds good? I'm not looking for what sounds good. I'm looking for sound faith, like it says in Scripture. I'm not looking for what sounds right. I'm looking for sound doctrine. In fact, in 1 Timothy, it says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I don't want what just, I want want the soundness of the Holy Spirit in my life. Do you realize that God is so good, he doesn't even need to materialize anything. All he has to do is cause a sound and things change. You remember with Gideon, he caused the sound of a mighty army and it caused the Midianites to turn their swords against one another and he destroyed an army. It was the sound of trumpets and people's shouts that caused the walls of Jericho to fall to the floor. It was the sound of worship that caused Paul and Silas to be let free in a jail cell and all of a sudden people were let free yet people stayed because there was a power of a sound. Stop bowing. Here's the second thing the fearless say with their life. Number one is stop bowing and I won't bow. But number two is, I won't burn. You know, my friends, when I first got saved, I remember they made, they almost, like they were taking jabs at me, but, you know, we were, I guess we were too close. They wouldn't do it to my face, or so they would do it, you know, passively. But I remember they would make fun of me, almost in the sense of, why don't you bow? Why don't you party? Why don't you rage? Why don't you do stuff like we do? Why don't you go to the places we go? Why don't you, why don't you bow? That's really what they're saying. Why don't you bow? But then, they come to me now, later on in life, and they're like, hey, how come you don't burn? Because when trials are coming on you, I notice you and your wife, you don't panic. And I notice that when things go wrong, you don't lose your temper. And I notice when things are being shaken under you, you don't feel like you're left out. You know God is with you. So how come, how come you don't burn? Well, I don't burn because I didn't bow. And I refuse to bow. And because I don't bow, guess what, I don't burn. Isn't it interesting? That it says the, the, he, the king asks some of the strongest men in the entire nation to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. Yet, these three men are thrown into the fire, but the ones who are doing the throwing, they die just at the door of the flames. That tells me there are some who are killed by the fire, and there are some who are built by the fire. Which one are you? I can tell you, if you didn't bow, you don't have to worry about burning. And isn't it interesting? It says this, it says... And they tied them up and threw them in the fire. Right? Does it not say that? It says, so they tied them up and threw them into the fire. But then when Nebuchadnezzar notices something, it says, how come I see four men walking around untied or unbound and the fourth looks like the son of God there was something that burned and caught fire that day but it wasn't the children of Israel it was the very thing that the devil was using to sabotage them this is why you cannot avoid the fires of your life because the only thing that comes off a child of God in the heat of a moment in the fiery trials is the limitations the lies and the demonic harassment that comes on your life stop (laughs) bowing and you won't have to burn Can I, let me just be honest, I just really feel this right now, that I feel like a lot of us, we are trying to live off of other people's fire. We we want the passion that so-and-so has, the prayer life that so-and-so has, the focus that this person has. Stop living off of other people's fire. This is what happens when we start to worship worship. We get picky on who's leading worship all of a sudden. Well, I like this brand of worship. I thought we were just worshiping God. Well, I I want, I like this pastor. I like this preacher. They speak for God. Well, I I just want to be in prayer. You're worshiping prayer. Let, Let me help you out. If you know, this is how you know you're living off of someone else's fire. If you know more Hillsong Young and Free and Planet Shakers than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're living off of somebody else's fire. If you're waiting for the next tweet and one-liner to come across your life that somehow will supernaturally shape your spiritual DNA, friend, you're living off of someone else's fire. My Bible says, and you should not live off a podcast alone. Listen, some of us have gotten so used to Googling God words in our life instead of just getting before God in our own prayer life. We, are, we keep looking for so-and-so to come out with another 60-second clip on Instagram instead of just getting before the one who actually told it to him, and he can give it to you directly. We are too addicted to living off a of secondhand revelation. And then what happens with second-hand revelation is you end up in the same problems that we had in the garden. Do you remember this? Do you remember? First, listen, first-hand revelation, God comes to Adam and says, you can eat of any tree in the garden except this one. Do you remember this? This is first-hand Revelation. Adam then communicates this to Eve, and Eve now has secondhand revelation. Who did the devil come to tempt? Was it the one with firsthand revelation or secondhand revelation? And we're over here YouTubing every sermon we can get off of Stephen Furtick, and we're trying to listen through some next worship album that comes across. Friends, stop bowing. You're living off of somebody else's fire. Can I, can, let me help you out just a little bit. It's real quiet up in this spirit-filled church. Y'all making me nervous. I'm just gonna take your silence as an amen. That's what I'm gonna do. Cause some of you are like, oh, crud, we have a church tonight. <laughs> Can I tell you what comes out in the fire stays in the fire? What comes out in the fire stays in the fire. Do you remember when Paul is shipwrecked? He is building a fire and he grabs a big, uh, a, a big load of, of, of uh, branches. Do you remember this? He takes the branches to the fire. When he puts the wood on the fire, a viper comes out of the wood and bites his arm. It latches, the Bible says, it latches itself to his arm. Now, this, notice, Paul, notice what Paul doesn't do. He doesn't do what I see most people do today. Paul doesn't get out, uh, Paul doesn't look at it and just take a picture and put it on Insta story. Oh my God, this is my life. It's just a bucket of suck. Look at this the snake all over me. Doesn't tweet about it, doesn't whine about it. Girl, let me tell you about this snake. You're giggling, you're like, I'm going to go delete some of the things I just tweeted today. What does he do? The Bible says as soon as it bites him, he just takes that snake and throws it right back in the fire. What comes out in the fire should stay in the fire. Why is that? Because we have avoided our fires. That's why we don't feel like we're being built and spiritually uh, uh, molded anymore. Because all of a sudden when God starts to ask us to stop bowing, it's only because he knows there's a fire coming. And when a fire is coming, let me tell you something. You can fireproof your life if you would just have some standards again. Stop bowing. This is what the fearless say with their life. I won't bow because I won't bow. Number two, I won't burn. And here's number three, I won't budge. I refuse to move. You, you can threaten me with death. You, you can threaten to burn me alive, but I'm not moving. Sorry, I'm not doing it. it, it's, it, it I always found it interesting, at least in this, in this text right here. It says, Nebuchadnezzar says, didn't we throw three men in the fire, but in verse 25, he says, but how come I see four? What I have found, and I've had to learn this is many times I'm always praying these quote unquote preventative prayers. God, please don't let this fire come. Please don't let this fire happen. Please don't let me be thrown into this fire. But notice when God chooses to show up, it's not before they're in the fire. It's while they're in the fire. I think too many people pray and think God is going to somehow shut down things. Listen, it says no weapon formed against you will prosper. It doesn't mean that that weapon won't materialize. It doesn't mean that weapon won't form. It just means it won't accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish. God shows up in the middle of a fire. Now, what's interesting to me is that they're in this fire and they don't want to get out of it. Has anyone ever burned themselves? Come on, ladies. You ever got a straightener too close, straightener too close to your skin or something like that? Or you ever, fellas, you ever been playing with fireworks or something like that, all the pyros in the room? You know what I'm talking about? And you're just like, ah, right? As soon as you feel the heat, what do you do? You get as far away from it as possible. These guys are literally in a fire and aren't leaving it. Why would you do that? Because he's in there with you. I would rather, this is what they're saying with their life. I would rather be in a fire and not move while he's with me than pretend to actually not do something without him. This is amazing to me. I think it's time that we'd had a fearless generation that says, I won't bow. I won't burn. And I won't budge. You know, uh, last year, I, 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 uh, God taught me a lot with this injury I had. It was crazy. Um, last year, you remember, I was walking around like this. I had a cane and all that. And uh, those of you who are here, I tore my ACL in half. I didn't know that then, but I had to have surgery and all of this. So I'm going through right before, before and after surgery. There's this game that came out. You probably know it, uh, and you know all of my staff, uh, from volunteers to on, literally on staff, is about 125 people. So when I would walk into the office, this game would automatically be played because they knew I'd lose. You ever heard of the floor is lava? <laughs> of course, I've got a a messed up knee, so I would lose every time. Hey, PC's here, the floor is lava. <laughs> you're fired, get out, no, I'm just kidding. And so I, I remember one, they would always do this, and of course, if you don't know this game, when someone shouts, the floor is lava, you're supposed to jump on a chair or, or just jump off the floor or something. Well, of course, I couldn't do either, so I was just like, oh, I died. But one day I walk in my office, and I'm, I know I misheard this, but I heard something different in my spirit. Someone yelled, "The floor is fear," and I couldn't move, obviously. And then I remember, and God says, "You win." Too many people, when they see fear, they start rearranging their life to accommodate the fear. When when they start to see the threat, they start to make excuses and backtrack. Well, I didn't mean it like that. No, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't bow, and I won't burn. And i won't budge i think what this world is so used to seeing is your generation fearful but what i see is something totally different especially across this room i i i'm hearing you worship i'm hearing you pray i'm watching you give everything to god i'm hearing you respond i'm i'm seeing destiny on destiny i'm seeing torches being lit inside of your spirit and in your heart and what i see is not a fearful generation i see a fearless generation i see shadrach Meshach and Abednego's all across this room. I see some that are gonna encounter some of the most intense trials that people have gone through and you won't even know it because I won't bow. I won't burn and I won't budge. And then there's some of us here, some of our stuff is gonna be public and we're gonna have to face things out in public. But again, I won't bow. Because of that, I won't burn and I won't budge. I don't move. I think what we need is more people to stop jumping when they see fear. I, I, don't, I don't care who you voted for, stop being fearful. I don't care what color skin you have, stop being fearful. I don't care whether you're rich or poor, stop being fearful. Whether you're single or not, I, I know I try to get everybody married here in the last two, two days, but can I tell you, some of you actually do need to be single because you don't know what it's like to just be God's and just to be His is the greatest gift that you will ever have in your life. And you chase it, you going boy crazy or girl crazy, can I tell you, you have no right to get in a relationship because all you're gonna do is bring them into your confusion. And it's gonna lead you to more pain. Singleness is not a disease, I promise, it's not. For some of you, it's a blessing. I'm just trying to help somebody out tonight. Stop being fearful, stop being afraid. So he's so scared. Well, Pastor Chris, my parents were ruined financially. That was, that was then. That's not now. Well, I have a generational curse. Jesus has broken every curse. Just stop bowing. Do you know that I have the longest first marriage in my entire family? My wife's and I's marriage. It'll be 14 years this year. And, we, I, and she's, I'm still hot. She's still hot. We're good. We're great. Ain't nothing changing here. All this good stuff right here, she's blessed. I, I'm so grateful because my kids get to see a healthy marriage. You know, all my family can be, some of them are messed up, I, I, some of them, y'all know what it's like. Some of them are in jail, and some of them have college degrees. It's just, and everything in between but Eric and I have chosen that every curse has been broken, every blessing has been released because we refuse to be fearful. Stop bowing. Stop bowing. Would you stand up with me tonight? Oh man. I really sense there's some people, you have been gripped by fear. Some of you are literally losing sleep. I feel like there's two, two of you in this room, you're losing sleep. I want to say it's just been taunting, literally by the enemy. These thoughts of maybe you're a failure or or somehow you'll never be good enough. Stop bowing. I have never been qualified for anything I've ever done in my life. I was always like the second or third pick. It, it, It just, I don't know. I don't know how God chose me. People ask me all the time, how how did you do what you do? I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. I I just refuse to be fearful. I'm not gonna let fear control my life. I'm not gonna let fear do the deciding. And I feel like some of you, you're literally letting fear choose too many things in your life. It's time to be fearless. You know, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. Not some fear, not parts of fear, Not pieces, but all fear. But watch this. In the same way that love casts out fear, fear casts out all the love too. If you just had these, I feel like there's several of us tonight that while worship was going on, we saw people just getting encountered and there was just a wall for us. And the truth is that fear casts out all the love and all you can see is obstacles and challenges and walls. And you can't connect like you quote unquote used to. Friends, stop bowing. Stop putting up with that garbage in your life. So us we've got secrets. And, and y- y- you've, been, y- you've been avoiding the secret. And the truth is, you've thought that the secret would actually be okay. This is just between you and God. But the secret didn't make you powerful, it made you paranoid. And now whenever the secret starts to be ministered to, like it's happening right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's coming up in your heart and your head. You start making excuses. Well, I I don't know if God wants to deal with this now. I I, I don't know if anybody's ready for, I I don't know if that, you know, my truth or my faith or my example or my life is my life. Friends, stop bowing. Stop bowing. The Bible says, when conviction comes, do not harden your heart for today is the day of salvation, change and life-giving can happen in your life. God is highlighting this area of your life right now. Stop bowing. If, if you're, and it may not even be sin. It may not even be wicked. It just may be you were trying to attempt the things and dreams of God in your life. And there is a certain amount of risk that you have never taken. But you're about to step into this. And all of a sudden, you're starting to have some hesitations because it's getting real. And now you're thinking, man, I'm not going to do this. Stop bowing. Because eventually you'll catch fire. If you're in this place, and you've got fear running through your life, through your thoughts, through your emotions, in your heart, I wanna pray with you. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be intimidated. I know what it's like for people, like can I be honest with you, some of the meanest people on the planet are Christians. It's true. I feel like some of you have been so hurt by people who quote, unquote, were Christians. But friend, I, I'm not offering you Christianity tonight. I'm offering you Jesus. I'm not offering you church. I'm offering you Jesus. And I'm sorry, as a pastor, I'm so sorry somebody hurts you, but that's not an excuse to keep living your life of destruction and ignoring what God is doing in your life. Stop bowing. There's some of you in this room right now, you are so afraid to make the wrong decision that you just live in indecision. You just try to stay in between because you don't wanna make this decision because then you'll be looked on as this. And you don't wanna to go to the decision side of this over here because then you'll be looked on as this. So you just stay right here and you're trying to please everybody. That's called the fear of man. Stop bowing. I'm not saying you have to be so passionate about what you believe in that you get to be a jerk and an arrogant uh, a person. What I'm saying is that you can be gentle and strong at the same time. And you don't have to bow. Stop bowing. If you're here tonight and you're saying, Pastor Chris, you're speaking right to me. On the count of three, I want you to get out of your chair. I want you to meet me up the front. I want to pray for you. I, I desperately want to pray for you. And listen, I don't believe that people should do anything alone. The first thing that God said was bad was that man should not be alone. I believe that if you need to be up at the front tonight, you just need to tap the hand of the person next to you and say, would you come up with me? Bro, I don't want to go by myself. I don't want to be alone in this. I need to be up there for a reason, and I want you to come with me. I want you to make that choice now. Don't wait for someone to come and you get inspired. Listen, be a leader, not a follower, and make a decision tonight. My goodness, stop bowing. And on the count of three, I want you to get out of your chair, and I want you to come meet me at the front. Make your decision now. Ready? One, two, three.